Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today is our March release episode, where we welcome some stellar guests all with books coming out this month. First of all, I'm going to welcome James Foley, his new book, Secret Agent Mole. How are you, James? I've seen all the social media posts. It's very exciting. How are you? I'm exhausted, Danny, but very happy. (laughs) Exhausted, but happy. Isn't that the dream? Well, congratulations. It looks amazing. And um, it looks like a really, I've loved all the social posts in the suit, you know, spy versus spy. So it's been a lot of fun to watch too. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry I'm not wearing the suit right now. Oh, well, you could tell listeners that you are. We wouldn't know. He's I'll look wearing... at the photo afterwards and they'll be like, hang on, second. <laughs> second guest tonight is Ali Lowe with her new book, The Running Club. Welcome. How are you? I'm well, thank you. A bit like James. I'm feeling a bit uh, overwhelmed at the moment, but in a very good way. That's good. Overwhelmed, exhausted. It's going to be a great podcast. <laughs> In a good way. In a good way. Next, we have Jessica Detman with her new book, Without Further Ado. How are you, Jessica? Ready for your maths questions tonight? Uh, I will answer any of them. Not correctly, <laughs> but... Just for a bit of context. I'm great. Thanks, Danny. A bit of context. Jessica was asking me what she should prepare tonight and I was in a cheeky mood and I said, I'm just going to ask a few maths questions. Don't worry about it. And I can't believe you still turned up. I know. It's just, you know, standard nightmare stuff. <laughs> I'm bad at maths too, so you could get it wrong or right and I wouldn't have a clue. And last but not least, uh, this gem of a human, Jeremy Lachlan, his new book, Jane Doe and the Quill of All Tales, which is book three from this series. Welcome, Jeremy. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Danny. How are you? Couldn't be better. Exhausted, overwhelmed, all those things. <laughs> I, I feel like this is this could just dissolve into a big therapy session because it is a <laughs> thing, isn't it? When your book is coming out and you are terrified and thrilled and elated and excited and horrified all in one mm. shivering package. It's a, a lot it's of a emotions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy for this to turn into a therapy session. I could probably benefit from it. <laughs> So let's get cracking. I want to start with an elevator pitch for each of your books. So, James, can I start with you? Elevator pitch, Secret Agent Mole. Secret Agent Mole is the bad guys meets James Bond. You can give us a a bit more than that if you like. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) We're going up to the top floor of the elevator. (laughs) Um, So uh, it's a new graphic novel series I'm writing and illustrating for Scholastic. It's um, about three trainee secret agents called Max Mole, Helena Hippo, and June Bug. And they are having to prove themselves worthy of getting their full proper secret agent licenses. Ooh. And they are trying to track down and defeat baddies such as Dr. Nude, who's a naked mole rat, <laughs> and Goldfish Finger, who the first book is named after, and he is mad about gold and he's robbing banks, and also Toxin 
who is a puffer fish and his goldfish fingers loyal hench fish. So it's very, very silly, full of explosions um, and a giant toilet and ridiculous puns. And, um, yeah, just that sort of graphic novel, intermediate reader sort of thing, just like the bad guys. Um, I've been having a lot of fun making it. It sounds like you've had a lot of fun making it just from describing those characters there. So I'm assuming it was pretty fun to write. And graphic novels are huge right now, right? They're like so hot right now. They're great. So hot um, right now. I'm having a lot of fun making them. Yeah, I've, I've already finished the second book, um, which is going to be called The Boar Identity. And that's about an evil pig. And, um, and the third book is probably called Dr. Nude, but we'll see, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Dr. Um, Nude, bestseller already. <laughs> <laughs> I've got ideas for about 10 of these so far, so I'm really hoping we can keep making them. I hope anyway. you get to 20, James. I've no doubt. Wow. We'll see how we go. <laughs> we can workshop yeah. some names in one of these therapy sessions if you, if you run out. You're talking blaby numbers now. That's <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, can't wait to read the rest of the series, James. I love a good graphic novel with a lot of bad puns in them, so cannot wait. Um, Ali Lowe, give us the rundown of The Running Club. I feel like I should hold it up, but no one, <laughs> you guys can see it. Um, I, don't, I don't have any naked rats, but I do have some naked humans at some point. <laughs> um, Ooh, maybe then... this is a running theme in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, nakedness. Um, no, it's a story about a group of people who are members of a sort of neighbourhood running group, and they live in a white picket community where basically everything is kind of aesthetically perfect, but underneath the surface there's a lot of kind of historical tensions between these these families and a lot of things are bubbling under the surface and it comes to a head with a brutal murder on the running track and so it's kind of part who done it and part kind of an un unraveling of all these crazy characters in this Stepford community fantastic so is the message behind that book don't go running i think so i don't run <laughs> the message is probably run faster oh yeah, exactly. don't run or run fine. faster i like it i like it no i do like that and i love the idea of you know the appearance versus reality so fantastic definitely one to watch there and jessica Detman, without further ado give me a rundown of this book i'm i'm gonna hold it up too yeah, even good, though good. it's audio um without further ado is a romantic comedy um based on the plot of much ado about nothing by a man called william shakespeare that everybody probably had to read at school and it's about a woman who is 36 her name's willa and when she was 16 she saw the kenneth branner film adaptation of much ado about nothing and became deeply obsessed with the opening scenes and how they made her feel. And she has spent her life since then trying to recapture the much ado feeling. Um, she's a romance novel publisher in a very strange little family business um, where she get, becomes involved with the four sons of the owner. And the plot begins to mirror uh, that of much ado about nothing, but only up to a point because the plot of that the rest of that plot of that play is deranged and wouldn't fly in a modern, <laughs> in a modern world. So it takes a rather um, interesting and more feminist bent towards the end of the book. Lovely. I really love these reimaginings of Shakespeare's stories or adaptions or, you know, you've, you've done it and flipped it. I, I went and saw at Julie and Juliet the other night at the Regent Theatre. Oh, yes. And also The Lovers in Sydney. The, love, the um, Lovers was extraordinary. Oh, The Lovers was I extraordinary. That. Yeah. And I just think it is amazing that we're bringing Shakespeare to, you know, a new context, to contemporary audiences and reimagining these stories. So I love that that's being done. And I can see that without further ado is exactly in that ball. Like, 
giving Jane Austen a little rest. And then we'll probably go back to Austen. But I love it because, you know, Shakespeare wrote within his context, but now we're, we're looking at, you know, um, in and Juliet, you know, same-sex relationships and looking at feminism and giving women voices. It's fantastic. I love it. I love it so much that we're bringing a new spin to it. So well done. Now, Jeremy Lachlan, new book, Jane Doe and the Quill of All Tales 3, hit me up with an elevator pitch. So uh, first of all, I'm sure you all relate to this, but synopses are the worst and I hate <laughs> Yes, it's them. true. Um, and that's yeah. why I make people do them every episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, so, so this is, uh, so it's uh, book three in the Jane Doe Chronicles, but technically it's the start of the sequel because books one and two, Cradle of All Worlds and Key of All Souls were the first duology. That was Jane's first big quest. This one sets Jane and her friends on a brand new epic adventure. Um, this time it starts off, Jane has saved the other world. She's rescued her dad. Her dad uh, and the question for me was what happens next? Like what, what happens once you've set out what you initially achieved to, to do and you've been and done so much on this big epic adventure? Um, for me, the answer lay in delving even deeper into the makers, the three divine beings that created Jane. Uh, and in essence, diving into the mythology of Jane herself. Uh, so this time around, uh, Jane learns that she is the heir to a mythical relic called the Phantom Quill. Uh, and according to mythology, whoever holds the quill uh, can be privy to uh, the future, not just one future, but all the futures, the outcome of every choice, every decision, all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, so she learns that she's the heir to it, but it uh, brings up a whole bunch of questions about her life, her purpose, uh, she has been a bit aimless, so this thing, this object, could seemingly save herself and answer every question she could ever want to know. But a dangerous cult is already hot on the Quill's trail, uh, and as we go along the adventure, she learns that there are more. There's more to her past, and there are more secrets that she's let to uncover about herself. Fantastic. What I love about today's episode is that the books are so different from one another, and I really yeah. love that because I think. You know, I read kid lit and I read adult fiction and crime and romance and everything. And um, I love that you can just flip and flop between genres and, and different books and enjoy them all for different purposes. So I love that we've got that range here today. Now, here's a question for you. I want to know, you know, you're all up to various different books in your career. Does writing ever get easier? James? Um, I think I think it, it does get easier for, for me at least little bit by little per book that I do. And also illustrating gets a little bit easier. But then I I think I search out greater challenges. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Every time. <It's laughs> so it gets harder. <laughs> yeah, so it evens out. It, it's, always, it's always challenging and that's what makes it interesting and mm. fun. Mm, I love that. What about you, Ali? Well, I think it's always kind of wrought with stress, <laughs> the process of, of writing. I've written four now, even though the second one is um, is, is just coming out now. Um, and I think the subsequent books have been easier just because I found a bit more confidence in myself. Mm -hmm. I think with the first one, I was trying to read lots of on writing books and, you know, and thinking about what I was meant to be doing and what my characters were supposed to be doing. And it became slightly mechanical. Um, but with the next one, with the running club, I sort of found my confidence to just listen to my own voice and just go with it. And therefore I really enjoyed it more. So therefore I think it probably became easier because I enjoyed the process more. Mm. Um, and then I think that seemed to happen with the other two as well. So, um, you know, it's definitely, I, I think it's like giving birth as well. You kind of forget when you finish. <laughs> it was. 
um and then you just go back for more so maybe it's not getting easier maybe it's just oh, so true Ellie. I, I just had a flashback <laughs> I just had a flashback to my second child going this is fine this is fine and then when it hit I'm like oh my god how did I forget this yeah, why am I doing this again exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> that is very funny. I just had a very horrifying flashback. So thank so you. <laughs> Jess, how about you? Is, does writing ever get any easier? Oh, look, it does. It, it This got a little bit easier for me, but maybe but because I was piggybacking off someone else's plot to begin with. <laughs> um, that can that be harder in out. some ways. It was, it was both harder and easier. It was nice to have um, that plot there that I could then pick and choose from and it felt like there was a framework to sort of start from. I liked that. Um, and, yeah, this felt a, a tiny bit easier, but then I made it harder for myself by making a character who was less like me. You know, I I pushed myself out of my comfort zone in that in that way. Mm-hmm. And how did you then delve into the character? Uh, well, I well, you know what? I realized that in fact I am there there is all of these characters in me and I'm in all of them. So and and I just kept going deeper into them and trying to imagine it's really just imagining mm. what they would do. And 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 it's fun to imagine what a horrible person would do. <laughs> Um, a difficult person or a person who doesn't care about other people that's really freeing yeah. if you've been raised you know a good person or try to be <laughs> or try to be you can get all that angst out in your books yes I love yeah. it <laughs> Jeremy what about you does writing ever get easier uh you know it's it's such a good question I'm so glad we're talking about this because and I love listening to all your answers because I so this is just my my third book and I, I still feel like a baby author and Part of me feels like I always will, and I think that's a good thing because, as James kind of alluded to, it's, I always want to approach a new work, and as much as the terror is frustrating and terrifying, uh, I think it's kind of necessary because it shows that you're pushing yourself in ways that you haven't before, particularly writing in a series. I never wanted the subsequent Jane Doe books to just be another walk in the park kind of mm. thing. I want to push myself as a storyteller each time. This one was supposed to be the easy one. I genuinely thought after, you know, book one took about 10 years to to actually, well, from when I came up with the idea to get it onto the shelves and then book wow. two, I had like a year to get it done, which was terrifying. And I was <laughs> with pressure and expectation for the first time in my life. So that was a new experience. This one I always thought would be the easy one. But then when I sat down to write it, I'd been trapped in the fire crisis uh, in early 2020, which was traumatic. And then my dog died the day before book two hit shelves and then the pandemic hit just as I sat down to write this. So my tank was empty. So what was going to be the easy one turned into one of the most difficult ones mm. I attempted yet, yeah, just because I had, I had, I was, I felt dead inside. I don't know what you all felt during the pandemic. I found it so difficult to write. Um, I was so- trying to write a rom-com when there was no rom or com. And I was adventure when I was trapped indoors. Like what do you, how do you do that? And so it, yeah. It forces you, though, to work in a way that you'd never worked before. And in reflection, I don't, I, I, look, I'm not glad it happened. None of us are glad the last three years have happened, but I'm super proud of the end product. And I think the, the experience of the last three years did shape this book in ways that I'll, I'll be unpicking for quite some time to come. Mm. And isn't it interesting, Jess, how you said that it's you know about imagining, but I think it's it's definitely imagining, but we, we need all those external influence as well in our lives. And maybe we don't realise that until it's taken away. Absolutely. I 
it was really exciting to me when after I had finished the first draft of this book, I actually got to leave my five kilometres and go to the suburb six kilometres away where it's set <laughs> and walk those streets instead of just doing it on Google Maps with the street view. Oh, that's very funny. I love that. Now, Gem, just going back to what you were saying about a baby rider, three books in, I feel like you've been around forever, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> baby I don't rider. Know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Like this guy. <laughs> Definitely a good thing. <laughs> what do you wish you knew first book around that you know now? Ooh, that's a good question. I think maybe it takes as long as it takes mm-hmm. and not um, – judge other people's progress, not judge your own progress by other people. Oh, I like that, yeah. I'm I'm a very, I mean, these are big complex books for kids' books. They're just under 80,000 words, which I know is putting it for the the kind of the the age group, but Mm. um, I'm not a fast writer and I'd see other authors or writers saying, yeah, I wrote 6,000 words today and there I am looking at my 400 words. But it's a good solid 400 words, but I, I, I used to feel so bad uh, and kind of lambast myself for not being more productive, but I think my, I'm I'm still not 100% comfortable with it because I, I do want to work faster. And I, since this whole ride started, I've kind of felt like I've been running down this snowy hill, and there's this snowball chasing, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger with the different subsequent deadlines and everything. But I I I, I just want to tell my early self to just chill out, like it's okay. Mm. Uh, the story takes as long as it takes, and that's mm. the most important thing. But it's hard when you haven't had a book yet published, isn't it, in that first yeah. book because you're kind of dying to just get it done so then you can, you know, be that published author. So there's, I guess there's that with the first book as well. No, thank you. I'd appreciate your honesty. Uh, James, what about you? What do you wish you knew um, that you know now when you're writing book one? Basically just that um, I could do it, you know. When I first started I my first that. one, I was terrified. I just didn't yeah. think I'd be able to actually finish the process. I yeah. finished my first picture book in early 2011. It was published in June 2011. And um, I, the only reason I finished it is because it was contracted. I, I probably would have given up <laughs> before that. Um, and so now what Secret Agent Moller's book 19 that I've worked on, um, some are graphic novels, some are picture books, some are chapter books. It's been fun to work on different things. I feel like I've, I've changed my attitude from being surprised uh, uh, at the process and going, hey, this actually works. So now being basically just this is my job and going, hey, this is actually work. It's just this slightly different attitude. Mm. And that doesn't mean that it's not fun anymore. It just means that um, it's it's helping to pay my mortgage, helping to support my family, and I've just got to keep doing it and um, keep putting stuff out there. Mm, I love that. I love the idea of, yes, I can do it because self-doubt is one of those things that always hinder creatives. And it's, if you've got the right balance, it's okay, I think, so it makes you work better, but sometimes it can stop you altogether. Yeah. You need a healthy amount of self-doubt, <laughs> amount. I think, just enough exactly. to kick yourself in the bum and keep going. Exactly, exactly. I think we were saying before, you know, if you think you know it all, you're probably not doing a great job. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Ali, what about you? What do you wish you knew first book around? Um, well, when I wrote the trivia night, I was kind of obsessing over like the beginning chapters and 
perfecting them and I, I must have spent hours and hours and hours on that first chapter before I moved on and I wish I'd kind of known that that chapter would get scrapped and um, <laughs> to just write to the end and get the bare bones of a story done and not to obsess about the little things and that's you know how I and so many people have said that to me along the line and that's how I work now is to try and do a skeleton draft and um, you know the perfectionist in me finds it really hard to go oh god I've got to leave that and move on and go back to it but I've kind of told myself I'm quite strict with myself like not to obsess over one paragraph just to get the idea down and the story down while it's kind of fresh and then go back and more often than not things that I've obsessed over get dumped anyway so I'd probably tell myself to to chill out and just try and get <laughs> the bones of the story, the skeleton of the story down and then and then go back and then. Um, mm, that's it. interesting. And I think that takes confidence in your writing as well because I often think sometimes you just need to get that first bit perfect for you to move on, but it's probably yeah. not necessarily true. It's hard to do, but, um, mm. yeah, I'm trying to teach myself to do it. Yeah. And sorry, can, I, can I jump in because this is something that I still struggle with. Um, was, was there a moment that you where you had that breakthrough where, where there, was there a definitive moment where you, you tried something different and it worked or is it just kind of a slow process of kind of easing yourself out of that habit? Um, I think it was kind of, it definitely happened in the second in writing the running club. And I kind of thought to myself, okay, I'll have to go back to that chapter. So I don't remember there being a sort of defining moment. I think it probably just happened quite slowly, but during that second book process where I think I probably just allowed myself to leave something and realized that it was, I was picking up the pace as a consequence. So um, it's definitely my, you know, preferred way of working, but I still have found myself going back and kind of, you know, adding things and embellishing and having to tell myself, no, just get on with it because you're going to forget where it's going and you'll lose momentum. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true because you can keep rewriting and never get to 80,000, 90,000 words. Yeah, exactly. You know, but having a great chapter one. <laughs> Yeah, which then gets scrapped. <laughs> Jess, what about you? What do you wish you knew when you're on book one? I wish I had known that it's okay if you can't make it all the way through a book about how to write a book. <laughs> the books that I've got about how to write books, I don't know, they are so boring. They are just, <laughs> And they're all about how to craft a thrilling story that will carry your reader through and and I just can't, I mean, it might be the ADHD, I just can't get through one of them ever. And so, I, you know, I, I wish I'd known that that's okay, that you can write a book another way and that, that you know, your process is your process and if, as long as a book comes out the other end and people like it, then that's okay too. Even if people don't like it, that's okay. Jess, like maybe that. you need to write the most <laughs> thrilling how to write book yes. that has ever existed. Yes. It could be like a choose it your would, own adventure It would just or say spend six hours pissing about on Instagram <laughs> and then write in a panic for 45 minutes before your children come home. Right. 10, 10 minutes of self-loathing, self, self-loathing in there somewhere as well. Yeah, yeah. And there's got to be like... I, I multitask. I can do that while I... Yeah. And I'm thinking You've 10 got... minutes of gorging chocolate as well. Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of room yeah. for other things in there. But you've got the ticking clock built in there, Jess, then. The kids arriving home from school, that's your tension. Yeah. It, it sounds, yeah, that, it writes itself. It's great. It does write itself. It's like an episode of 24. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other thing I wish I'd known was that um, how, how lovely the Australian writing community is. I mean, I worked in publishing before, so I knew a bit about it and how, you know, I knew some authors. But I think that's all really changed a lot with social media and and I, I wish I'd known that although our books compete against each other, the people by and large 
I don't know, don't seem to. They, there's so much support and kindness. Yeah. And maybe everyone's being horrible behind our backs. Yeah, we are. No, no, honestly. I, <laughs> You're I all like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. <laughs> She'll see what we're writing the chat now. Honestly, <laughs> I actually think if the world could be a bit more like the book community, we'd have a much better world. And I've tried to unpack this a lot. Like, why is this community so incredibly supportive and amazing to each other and i think it's because it's so damn hard to write a book to get a book published to get people to buy it to publicize it to get anyone to care about it that you know how hard it is and how much of yourself you put in it so when you see someone with success you're cheering at them going yes i can feel your pain and i'm so glad that you've been able to do it so do you reckon there's a bit of that i do i do and i think I don't know. I think authors contain multitudes, so we can be horribly jealous of each other's successes and really happy for each other. At the same time. <laughs> but supportive, absolutely. I love it when I see other people, you know, holding each other's books or celebrating each other's books. And this is what this podcast has always been about. About I think there's room for all of us. People just need to read more books. What do you reckon? Exactly. <laughs> Now, uh, talking about books, this is a great segue. I want to know what other books you're excited about that are coming out this year. So, James, can I start with you? Uh, I I was at Little Book Room in uh, Fitzroy North yesterday painting their window and having a great look at their graphic novel section. And, and I don't know if any of you know Kate Beaton. She did a great webcomic called Hark a Vagrant and she's done some really great picture books uh, one called King Baby and one called The Princess and the Pony. Um, anyway, she's fantastic. She's from North America. I'm not sure if it's US or Canada. She's got this graphic novel called Ducks. Ducks as in the animal. Um, it's called <laughs> Ducks, uh, Ducks Two Years in the Oil Sands. And it's an autobiographical comic uh, by her. She's from Canada. I just I just read here. Um, and so it's about this little period of her life where she went and worked in like a kind of a, a FIFO job uh, in the Alberta oil sands, just earning some money and stuff. I'm really looking forward to reading it because I love all her other stuff, but everything else I've read is comedy of hers. Um, and wow. this, this is a little different. And um don't know if you know, Alison from little book room, she said it's one of the best memoirs she's ever read. That's regardless wow. of whether that's a written memoir or a graphic novel. So I'm looking forward to that. Amazing. Um, I bought it. I'll read it on the plane back home. Great. But I've been reading some graphic novels by Zoe Thorogood as well, who um, did a fantastic one called The Impending Blindness of Billy Scott. And that's about a young woman who's an artist who gets hit on the head, gets concussion and finds out that her retinas are detaching and she's going to go blind in a couple of weeks. And she's only got a couple of weeks to finish the last 10 paintings that she thinks she'll ever be able to do and put them into an exhibition. Um, and that's amazing. Wow. And she also did kind of a memoir called It's Lonely at the Centre of the Earth, which really pushes the boundaries of graphic novels and visual storytelling. Um, so if you're into that sort of stuff, check out Zoe Thorogood, check out Kate Beaton. Mm, They're both amazing. That sounds amazing. They both sound just that last one about losing your sight, knowing that. It's quite horrific, isn't it? And just trying to yeah. paint your last paintings. It's really powerful. It's got a good ending, though, without, you know, without spoiling <laughs> stuff. It's it's a really, actually a really, really awesome, lovely story. It's it's fantastic. Beautiful. Can you also tell us about the picture book, Say Hooray? So, oh, yes, of course, yeah. Thank you for Thank you for saving my marriage by prompting that, Danny. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Say Hooray is my wife's new picture book. It just came out on February 28th. It's um, illustrated by Rebecca Mills, who's from WA as well, like myself and my wife. And Say Hooray is a 
baby book about baby milestones. And it's got this most amazing Technicolor illustrations from Rebecca. My wife's got this fantastic rhyming couplet uh, writing in there with all sorts of babies with lots of lovely diverse names and faces and just all these simple things that babies do that um, we have to recognize and celebrate, like rolling from front to back and learning to stand and learning to wave and smile and eating and trying new foods, all those lovely things that we get to experience uh, through our kids when they're very, very young. And the great news about that one too is that it has already been contracted for the second in the series. Wow. Um, so, yes, That's very, very fantastic. wonderful book. I mean, I am biased, but... Uh, <laughs> Hey, hey, sweetheart. Hey, Renee. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a great book. It's really wonderful. Fantastic. The cover looks beautiful. So I did want to ask you about it. So I'm pretty excited. So it's a series too. That's pretty fantastic for a picture book. Yes. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Ali, what are you looking forward to this year? Um, I'm not saying this because she is on this uh, podcast. Oh, who could it be? Really, really looking forward to much to do. Um, I've got it on my bedside table. I've got an arc of it and it's my next read. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. I loved um, this. has been absolutely lovely. And I just I just think you're like, I, you make me laugh. I love it. I love your books. So I'm very Thanks, much happy. <laughs> um, I've also just read The Wakes by Diane Yarwood, which I really loved. Um, so it's a story about a woman whose marriage is broken up and she befriends another woman who runs a funeral catering business. So she basically makes this elaborate food. She's found a niche in the market for food for funerals. And they um, begin working together and um, it's just amusing. It's heartwarming. It's just a really, really beautifully written, written book. And I think that was out last week. So I can highly recommend The Weights. Fantastic. And Jess, what about you? What are you looking forward to this year? Um, I'm looking forward to Dakar Orange for Breakfast by Ooh. Karina May, which is just a really classic, perfect rom-com about... Um, um, a girl and a boy who make all the dishes from a family, a French family cookbook together after they meet on Tinder. And they they don't meet for a long, long time. If ever, who knows what happens at the end of the book. <laughs> we'll not be spoiling it. Um, that's out in April and that's beautiful and it involves, you know, French travel and it's set in Sydney and Karina just has a, a beautiful way with words. It, it um, seems yeah. like the, the more positive Tinder story I've heard. Yeah, yeah, it's not, <laughs> not mostly what I'm hearing. <laughs> not, not mostly what I'm, might be a pleasant read. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm also I'm reading at the moment "A Country of Eternal Light" by Paul Dalgano. Yes, beautiful, which is so beautiful, and um, narrated by a dead woman uh, with, who is Scottish, and it kind of covers her whole life, and it jumps back and forth in time, and you never feel lost. And his writing is just sumptuous and elegant and beautiful mm. and then and one other thing I'm looking forward to even though there's no book coming out yet um is anything that Elias Gregg writes now I don't know if anyone knows Elias Gregg's work but he's he's an essayist um and I came across him on Twitter and he is just one of the most talented people writing in Australia at the moment his he wrote a piece called the whale ghosts of Mossman and his most recent one is A Circle Married to a Line, which is in the Sydney Review of Books. And he's he's going to be really big. Mm. And they're just amazing essays. I love that. I love that what you're looking forward to is anything written by 
Elias. Anything. I love that. (laughs) And I would really like a book. I'll take essays. (laughs) Jeremy, what about you? What are you looking forward to reading this year? So can I can I shout out a book I just finished two days ago uh, by Zanny Louise called Queenie and Seven Moves. Mm-hmm, good call um, out. It was such a beautiful read. It's about a little girl who, during the pandemic, her, they her and her mum lose their house and have to move seven times, uh, set in Queensland, uh, and are affected by you know the, the housing crisis, the floods. Uh, but what Zanny does so incredibly is writing about serious, very serious kind of traumatic issue but it's it's not a traumatic read by any means it's mm-hmm. so uplifting and filled with quiet beautiful moments and really stunning characters and I, I I polished it off in two sittings she nearly had me crying in public in the park when I was finishing it, it it's, perfect it's, yeah it, it is it is a really remarkable read I think and, and a very special book and very important for kids to see that I, I think to find mm. you know it's it's not it's some books that are dealing with heavy traumatic things but are, but are but are, are lovely can sometimes feel like you're trying to pull the wool over children's eyes and that's the worst thing you can do in kids writing is to to lie to kids because there's some of the most wily readers out there so she's not doing that there's no there's nothing false about it it's just seeing the the joy and the, the bright moments and the power that can come from those from those things and it's all informed by Zanny's real life experience as well which added a whole other element to it mm. so that was Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing all the things you're looking forward to. Very, very diverse range of books. So I think that's amazing. And essayists, Jess. Uh, Now, coming up to the last question that I always ask on the podcast, you should have your answers, you know, organised and intact. No pressure here. Is this a maths question? Yes, it is. It's a maths question. It's an algorithm. (laughs) So get your pens and papers out. (laughs) Um, why do you write or why do you still write James Foley? Because it's fun and because I have a mortgage. <laughs> Two very important and equally important reasons. <laughs> and because um, it's just really, it's just really, really wonderful to be able to make something out of nothing and share it with other people and then get lovely feedback from mm. parents and families. It's just it's always a buzz. It never gets old. Absolutely. With those um, rising rent interest rates, James, I think you better just double your drawings, stay up all night, <laughs> write those 20 graphic novels. Exactly right. Well, I think I think even if there wasn't an audience or anything, I'd probably still be making stuff just because yeah. I think there's also just a compulsive, obsessive part of me that really just loves making stuff. And yeah. I get obsessed with a particular image or character or something in my sketchbook and I just have to kind of put it down and figure out what to do with it so Mm. I'd probably be doing it anyway yeah I do think that's the telling of a creative you just are compelled to keep creating no matter no matter what the situation you you'll find a way to do it into your day because otherwise you don't feel like the person you should be yeah exactly right it's it does happen sometimes where I just feel I feel uh, creatively constipated almost. And I, like, <laughs> I have to get it out onto the page. Now that's um, a term otherwise I'm that's not satisfied. New, yeah. Let's, that we, yeah. Should, um, we should coin and we should use regularly. <laughs> I won't illustrate it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, you know, you just get that feeling like, oh, I've just got to put this down on the page, mm. on the paper, and you're not really satisfied or um, calm until it's external, until you Love can it. look at it and read it. Yep, absolutely. Ali, what about you? Why do you write? 
Um, well, I started writing, when I started writing the trivia night, I had a six-year-old, a five-year-old and a one-year-old. So for me, it was my way of escaping my domestic duties and my children and the noise and just kind of basically chucking myself in a world of make-believe. Um, and I still love doing that. I just, you know, it's like a kind of, it sounds really naff to say so, but it's kind of like a bit of a meditation. You kind of mm. shut everyone out and you kind of jump into this make-believe world and pretend you're somewhere else. And I don't know, I just love it. Mm, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what else I do I, I just enjoy it yeah absolutely I do relate to those young children and and loving that but also needing that that space away where you can get back into your own head which you often feel like you don't have time to do Jess what about you why do you write well it started like it did for Ali as a way to escape my small children um but now I I I really just like making people laugh and enjoy themselves and I get to just tell lies all day <laughs> and make things up. Like, how's that a job? It's <laughs> fun now. Um, what, what do you do as a job? I tell lies every day. I, I love tell it. lies all day. I tell lies to kids. <laughs> Beat that. Beat that, Jess. <laughs> I told some lies to a kids, kids last year. I had a kids book. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, and I'm like you say, it you can't once you've done it, it's hard to stop. Mm. Um, and I, I'm a bit difficult to live with when I'm writing, but I'm way worse when I'm not. I would never believe that, Jess. <laughs> never. <laughs> <Don't> stop, <laughs> Jeremy. What about you? Why do you write, baby writer? Um, well, I'm never going to lose that. <laughs> Just like creatively um, constipated. They're things that are yeah. never going to go away now. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, very, very similar, very similar things across the board. Um, I write to entertain. I, I love adventure as a genre because it can scare people and make people laugh and make them swoon and make them just be, be excited and stoke that, that kind of sense of wonder. Um, I, I keep writing I, I I'm not good at anything else. I I I can't imagine not telling stories. I've always been obsessed with stories, so it kind of makes sense that this is my my job now. Um, maybe I'll get to the point. I don't know if you all feel this, but maybe I'll get to the point where I've run out of stories and the the tank is completely empty. And I I hope I can meet that with good grace and be like, okay, I'm I'm done now. But I can't imagine that happening anytime soon. I I don't know what that feeling will be like. Part of it scares me. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I love what I do, and I hope I get to do it for as long as I can. Mm, I think I keep telling myself that we'll never run out of words, and we never run out of stories. And when we do, we'll just steal other people's, you know, stories. When we see him, you know, on the street, <laughs> make, you know, which you do anyway as a writer, right? Or Shakespeare's, just or, or Shakespeare's yeah. Jane Austen. You can move on with the classics, keep remaking them. I think you'll be right, Jeremy. Well, I could, I could just do do what some other authors have done and just do it do the same story from another character's perspective hey and- <laughs> now you're talking never really? gonna run out never gonna run out of stories jeremy <laughs> and if not and if you do we can always come back to this therapy session and brainstorm some ideas thank you so much thank you so much. Uh, james can, can james can draw them you know we can collaborate it'll be great it'll be fine all good jane doe <laughs> and secret agent mole <laughs> Versus the Tempest. <laughs> and they're, and they're just... running, James. They're also running. <laughs> and they're running. And there's can, a I, can I quickly jump in with a question for James? Because I'm, I'm fascinated by this bridging the, the kind of the writing world and, and the art world for graphic novelists. Do you, do you, having a foot in both, do you notice differences between the different 
worlds in terms of not just the not the support or anything but how, how do you navigate that balance between being the artist and and the writer or does it all meld into one um i think with a graphic novel it's hard to separate out the two they're, they're kind of one and the same um because a lot of the way that you lay out the page is part of the writing process it, it's it's part of the pacing and everything else um but i mean in in for those of us who are writer illustrators, it doesn't feel like we're in a separate camp or anything else. There's, there's heaps of us in in children's publishing. Um, we don't feel like we're on the outer or anything else. Um, the people who are just writing children's books, the people who are just illustrating, it doesn't feel like there's a massive kind of divide. It just feels like we're all part of the same camp. It's just you know, big, supportive, wonderful group of people, really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Did that answer your question, Jeremy? Oh no, yeah, yeah. I just because I, I mean, I can only draw Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, so I'm just, I'm fascinated by artists <laughs> and what you can actually do. So I just I'm it, it blows my mind. So being able to do both so well, it, it's I'm, I'm in awe. I'm looking forward to your remake of the Coyote. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I can draw of them, so it'd be very repetitive. I, I like, I like, I think there needs to be a remake. You know, we enjoyed that as kids. I know you might be too young. I enjoyed that as a child. Um, but my kids never have. You know, it's all about Bluey, which is great. But still, you know, something about those classics, isn't there? Oh, just blowing each other up and trying yeah. to kill each other. Terrifically violent. That's TNT. What, that's what Bluey's missing. That, <laughs> okay, so you've twisted that around, Jess. <laughs> but I Jeremy, do see a maybe... point. Maybe you could rewrite um, Wally Coyote and Roadrunner from the perspective of the Acme Corporation. <laughs> yeah. That's a genius idea. <laughs> and you can give away little firecrackers on the book. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that one to you. You're, you're, have at it. That'll be brilliant. Oh, like a, a fuse is the bookmark uh, <laughs> right. to get inside the book. This, this is where genius happens, people. We are no longer creatively constipated. It's where genius is happening. <laughs> it's all flowing. It's so, flowing. Oh, I see what you did there. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, always an honour, to speak to such a group of talented people who love to tell their stories. Um, and their stories are always so wonderful. So thank you so much, Ali, Jeremy, Jessica, James, for being here tonight and having a chat. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Danny. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Danny.